Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, take out your Bibles, turn over to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea, give you a second to find it. It's in the Old Testament somewhere. Uh, uh, Find out the book of Hosea. Give you a little background on what's going on in our scripture passage. Uh, Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom. And if you not have any idea what that means, uh, Israel originally had 12 tribes that states basically that made up the nation. Uh, There was a civil war. Ten of the tribes broke off and formed uh, what we called the northern kingdom with the capital in Samaria. Uh, They did not follow the God of Israel. Uh, They were generally pagan worshipers, and he was a prophet to those ten northern tribes. But not just a prophet to the northern tribes, a prophet to the northern tribes right before they were totally destroyed. Uh, He preached in the 8th century in 721. uh, All the northern tribes would be destroyed by Assyria, and uh, they would cease to exist. And so Hosea was one of the last prophets right before uh, the end of the northern kingdom. So turn over to Hosea, Hosea chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 2. But let's have a prayer as we get started this morning. Father, thank you. Uh, As we open your word now, we just pray that you would lead and guide us in all that we do. Thank you for the time of worship that we've been in. Help us to continue now. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, have you ever seen two people together and you thought, man, how did those two get together? They're completely the opposite. No one had ever put them together. Anybody? Are you sitting next to someone right now that people would say they would never put those two together? Anybody? Yeah, a couple of you, yeah. Some people are pointing at their children. That's your fault if you're pointing at your children. You know, it's it's the way you raise them or something like that. Well, I remember in college, I was out with some friends one one Friday night, and I I saw two of our friends come in. Uh, They were on a date. She was a, from a fairly well-to-do family. She was wearing a, a sundress, had her designer purse, hair and makeup perfect, looked really pretty. He was a, a country boy. He was wearing a T-shirt with the sleeves cut out, blue jeans, and a camo baseball cap on as they were coming through. And they looked as strange together as you could have ever put two people together in your life. It was almost funny looking. But they were having such a good time, and you could tell they liked each other so much. And you looked at it and said, wow, those are kind of two strange people that have been put together, but it seems to work for them. Well, we're going to look into uh, the book of Hosea, and you're going to see a stranger pairing than that, maybe the strangest pairing of all time. We're going to look at the story of the prophet and the prostitute, the prophet and the prostitute. So look over into Hosea chapter 1, and the first thing we see is this. God is challenging us to see himself and people in a different way. God wants us to see him and other people in an entirely different way. Look at verse 2 of Hosea chapter 1. It says, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman, have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So in verse 2, you have the very strange thing that's told to Hosea. Go and marry a promiscuous woman, the NIV says. The word is probably best translated harlot. He goes and he's told to go marry a prostitute. Now, does anybody think that's a strange pairing, a prophet and a prostitute? 
When you think of a prophet, what do you think of is, is a holy man, very close to God, filled with God's spirit and zeal, out there telling people the word of the Lord. And when you think of a prostitute, that's probably not what you think of, maybe the complete opposite of everything that I've just said. But this unusual pairing of this prophet and this prostitute who were coming together. But why would God want Hosea to marry a prostitute? Look back again to verse 2. Go marry a promiscuous woman, have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. God was saying, the life that you're living, Hosea, is going to be an illustration of me and Israel, the northern kingdom. What we're going to see is that just as you're going to love an unfaithful woman, so I'm loving an unfaithful people. People that I love and give myself to, people that I care about, but people that don't respond to me, that continue to go on and continue to leave me and continue in their prostitution. So this was an illustration of God and Israel, Hosea's marriage to this prostitute. But why did God want Hosea to do this? What was he trying to teach Hosea? And what was he trying to show other people through this well-known prophet marrying a prostitute? Can you imagine the scandal the first time they went out together to White Castle or something, you know, and people were looking around and saying, you know, what's the prophet doing with a prostitute, you know, uh, as they're trying to do there? Now, if you follow religious circles, that's probably not, not very strange uh, as, you, as you read some of, some of the scandals that are out there or something like that. But people would immediately start to talk. So why would God want this going on? God wanted two things to be seen. First, God wanted Hosea and people to look at him in a different way. How do we sometimes view God? Most of the time we view God as a judge up in the sky that's looking down every time we mess up, every time we do something wrong. He's checking it on the list. He's angry with us. He's going to get us because we're not good little boys and girls. And we think of God as this judge in the sky. And yet what God is trying to tell us through this example of Hosea marrying a prostitute is something much different. God's trying to say this. No, I'm a God that loves you. I'm a God that loves you no matter who you are, how you behave, what you've done. I created you. You're my child. You're special to me. You will never not be loved by me. So instead of seeing an angry God, we're supposed to be seeing a God of love that reaches out to all people no matter who we are, how we behaved, or what we've done. But God also wants us to see other people differently. What was the name of Hosea's wife? Gomer. I've only known one Gomer in my life. You know who it was? Gomer Pyle. That's the only Gomer I've ever known in my life. If you're going to marry a prostitute and you're a prophet, don't marry one named Gomer. You know, I mean, that just seems to be a fairly, you know, straightforward thing. Well, the name Hosea means salvation. The name Gomer means completed. And it's not like uh, uh, in the Tom Cruise movie, you complete me. You know, it's not like that. It's that she's completely sold out to sin. That's what her name means. The prophet named Salvation has married a woman completely sold out to sin. So if what God wants for us is to see him in a different way, as not an angry judge, but a loving father reaching out to everyone, then how does he want us to view other people? That there's no one on this planet that isn't beloved by God, created special by God in his image, and that God would do anything for 
You have to see people in a different way. People aren't disposable. People aren't, aren't useless sinners with no value. People aren't worthless prostitutes. Every person on the face of this earth is a child of God that he loves and cares for and that Jesus would ultimately die for. And so God challenges us to see him in a different way and to see others in a different way. Paige Hunter is a teenage girl in Northumbria, Britain. And uh, in the town that she lives in, there's a bridge, the, uh, the Weirmouth Bridge. And it's the number one bridge in England where people go to jump off and commit suicide. And people in her town actually begin to make jokes about the bridge. They call it the crazy bridge because that's where all the crazy people went and jumped off. And she was, remember one day she was just sitting, eating lunch, and people were talking about the crazy bridge. And it broke her heart that people were going with such desperation in their lives, they were killing herself, themselves. And she thought, what can a teenage girl do? So she went to the bridge, and she began to leave notes all over the bridge that she would tie. I got a picture of one right here. You're not alone, and that is actually a suicide hotline number at the bottom of it. And she put things like that all over the bridge. In the first month that was there, they called her from the police station and said, six people have stopped attempted suicides because of your note. And they gave her a special award uh, for saving lives, uh, which is a picture that, that you see right here in Northumbria. And why did she do that? Because she began to look at people in a different way. These aren't crazy people going and jumping off the bridge. These are people who matter. These are people that God created and that God loves. So we begin here with the challenge to see God differently as one who loves all of us and to see all people as important and valued. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture passage. It's about being in a loving relationship with God. It's not about rules. It's about being in a loving relationship with God, not about rules. So look at verse 3. So he marries Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and she bore him a son. Now, right there, everything seems to be going well. They get together, they, they have a child, a son's born. Everything seems to be going well. They name the son Jezreel. He's going to be an example from the Lord uh, that, that uh, Jezreel means scattered, that God is going to scatter Israel if they do not repent. But then look down to verse 6. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. The second child he had, Hosea didn't know if it was his child. His wife had begun to go back to her old way of life. She began to work as a prostitute again. And when their second child, a daughter, was born, he didn't even know it was his or not. And so the child was named not loved. And then keep reading down into verse 9. The Lord said, uh, when a son was born in verse 8, after she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. The Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. You are not my people. I am not your God. The third child that's born is named, you're not mine. So the second child was, you're not loved because my wife cheated and conceived you. And the third child is, you're not even mine. How would you like that as your name as you went through life? Who are you? Well, I'm not his child. That's my name, you know, uh, as you're going through there. Uh, look at chapter 2, verse 5. Their mother has been unfaithful. She has conceived them in disgrace. And so here is, is Hosea. 
He's married a prostitute, which probably didn't sit very well with him when God told him that's what he was supposed to do. But he's fallen in love with her. He's given her unconditional love. He pulled her out of the misery of the life that she was in, and now she's gone back to that life. She's cheated on him, and she's had two illegitimate children. How does he feel about that? Look at chapter 2, verse 2. Rebuke your mother. Rebuke her. She's not my wife. I won't be her husband any longer. Let her remove the adulterous look from her faith, the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into parched land, slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children. They are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful. She has conceived them in disgrace. When you hear those angry words from Hosea, what do you get from this? Hosea is angry at Gomer. Why? Because she broke a rule, right? Is that why he's mad at her? You see, that's what we think about God. We think that God set up all these rules and all these ways of living. And if we break them, we're bad people and God's mad at us now. So is Hosea mad at her because she broke a rule? Remember when we got married, the pastor said that you were supposed to be uh, with me for the rest of your life and give yourself only unto me so long as you both shall live. That was a rule. You broke it. Therefore, uh, I'm not happy with you because you broke a rule. Is that why he's unhappy with her? No. He's unhappy with her because she broke his heart. That's why he's unhappy with her. This is about relationship. This is about a man who loved a woman who now sees her cheating on him that sees his heart being torn apart. And God says, that's how I feel about you. When you do things that are wrong, when you do things that hurt yourself, when you do things that hurt other people, God says, you don't understand. It's not just affecting you. It's not just affecting the people around you. You're breaking my very heart, God says. Why did he want Hosea to marry a prostitute because he said, this is how I feel about Israel. This is how I feel about everybody. You're precious to me. You're beloved by me. And you are literally breaking my heart. It makes us look at God in a different way. He's not an angry judge keeping a tally of all of our sins. He's a spurned lover with a broken heart that would do anything to bring us back to him. And that brings us to the third thing that we see in our scripture passage. God tries to bring us back to him, but we constantly go astray. God tries to bring us back to him, but we constantly go astray. Now in verses 6 through 14, Hosea does something quite amazing. His prostitute wife has had two illegitimate children. She has left him. She actually leaves and goes away and went back to her life of prostitution. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. Their mother has been unfaithful. She's conceived them in disgrace. She will say, I will go back to my former lovers who give me food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. She has left Hosea and gone back to her old life. And Hosea is devastated. He doesn't know what to do about it, but he wants her back with him. And so he's now trying to figure out what's going on. But there's a question that comes up before this. Why would, Jose, why would Gomer do this? Gomer had been living a miserable life as basically a slave prostitute. 
She's been pulled out of that lifestyle. She's been given unconditional love and a good home. Why would you leave all of that and go back to the misery you've known before? But we do it all the time, every day in our own lives. Think about the sins that are in your life, the things that overcome you, the things that you know hurt you and really don't even give you any pleasure and you keep doing it over and over again, hurting yourself and hurting other people. Why do we keep going back, the Bible says, as a dog does to its own vomit? Why do we keep going back to it? Because it's all we know. I did a a Bible study once at Scarlet Hope, uh, the, uh, the ministry to the adult entertainment industry here in Louisville. And we asked that very question, why do people keep going back to what they know is hurtful? And one of the ladies said this, because unconditional love is the scariest thing in the whole world. And we've never known it. And when somebody gives it to you, it scares you so much, you want to run back to even what you know is hurting you because at least you know it. And that's what we do over and over again. We don't know if we really trust God. We really don't know if we can give ourselves to God. Unconditional love is scary. It means no matter what you do or how you behave, God's not going to give up on you, and that's scary. And Hosea doesn't give up on Gomer. He does three things to win her back. Two that doesn't work, a third that will work. Three things to win her back. Let's look at the three things he does to win Gomer back to him. First, first six. The first thing he does is this. He tries to convince her to stay by using logic. Verse 6. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in her way that she cannot find her way. The first thing he does is he tries to stop her. Okay, don't leave. Stay here. And then he tries to be reasonable with her. Think about this. What you've done before hasn't worked. It was a miserable life. You were miserable. You were hurting yourself. You were hurting other people. He tries to reason with her. If you were were going into a pattern of sin, does reason help you very much? No, because sin is not a reasonable thing. If sin was a reasonable thing, you wouldn't be doing it in the first place. It's not reasonable. And so you can't say, hey, I've reasoned this. And so when you try to reason to somebody that's sold out in sin, it doesn't work very well. Now, every once in a while, somebody will, will uh, hit rock bottom or something. They'll see the, the error of their ways. But, but most of the time, reason doesn't work with people. I had somebody tell me one time, uh, we were, we, they were in a very destructive lifestyle in a former church. Teenage boy, I was trying to get him out of it. He told me later when he was in his, his mid-20s, he said, Chip, you could have told me anything in the world as convincing as it could have been, and I could have cared less at that point in my life. You weren't going to convince them. Reason wasn't going to work. But Homer tries to, uh, Gomer, Hosea, well, Hosea tries to stop Gomer. The second thing that he does is that he lets her go and hopes she comes to her senses. Seven and eight. So she will chase after her lovers, but she will not catch them. She will look for them, but she won't find them. And then hopefully she'll say, I'll go back to my husband as it was at first, for I was better off then than I am now. So the second thing he does is, okay, I'm going to let her go, and maybe she'll hit rock bottom and see and come to her senses and come back to me, exactly like the prodigal son did. That's his hope. So he's going to let her go and hope she sees this is a destructive pattern and comes back. Sometimes that helps, but often it doesn't. 
Often people just get further and further in the mire and the misery of their life. And so Hosea tries to do one final thing. Look down to verse 14. It's shocking what he does. Therefore, I'm going to try to allure her back to me. I will lead her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly unto her. The last thing he does is he tries to win her back to him, to allure her, to woo her, to romance her back to the love relationship they once had. Do you know how shocking that is? What had Gomer done to deserve this? She was a prostitute that he saved from a miserable life who cheated on him, went back to her old way of life and had no interest in coming home. And he says, I'm going to try everything in my power to woo you back to me again. Why does he do it? Because it's about irrational, wild, never-ending love. And that's what Hosea had for his wife. And that's what God has for you. You won't ever understand things like the cross and the sacrifices that God makes until you understand this scripture here. God is hurting. God is doing everything he can to bring you back to him for one simple reason. Because God loves you. It may seem crazy because nothing is being given in return, but God's doing it anyway. Interesting story in, uh, at Mount Hood this week in, in Oregon. Uh, a man climbed up the mountain to commit suicide. Uh, it began to get warmer on top of the mountain. The, 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 they began to have some landslides as the ice melted. The guy panicked, still had his cell phone, was able to get some service and said, I'm up here, I was going to kill myself, y'all need to come get me. They sent a helicopter after the guy. When the helicopter got there, it could not land because of how dangerous it was on the mountain where the man was at that particular time. And so this is what they did. They landed the helicopter on two wheels with the rest of it still in the air, an unbelievably dangerous thing. And then the rescuers got off the helicopter, went and got the man, put him on a stretcher because he was already immobilized, got him on the helicopter, and took back out. Why would they risk their lives for a man who had gone to a mountain to kill himself, but they had done something irrational because they believed his life mattered and they were willing to sacrifice for it? And that's exactly what God does for us. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. God will pay the ultimate price for our redemption. God will pay the ultimate price for our redemption. So Gomer leaves Hosea. She goes back to her life as a prostitute. Hosea goes to get her back. But when he comes, she's now a slave again to her old pimp. And if he's going to get her back, he has to buy her back as a buying a slave because she's now the property of her former pimp. Are you sure this is a Bible story? <laughs> and that's exactly what he does. Look at Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Hosea 3, verse 1. The Lord said, go show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by other men. Though she's an adulteress, 
Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred rice cakes. That's an allusion to idol worship. So I bought her back for 15 shekels of silver and for a homer and a lectin of barley. That's a lot more dramatic than it sounds the way we read it today. Hosea goes back. He's told, if you want your wife back, you've got to pay for her. She's now my property. And the amount that he's going to have to pay for her is 30 shekels of silver. That was the price of a slave in that day and age. But guess what? Hosea doesn't have 30 shekels of silver. He's not that rich a man. So he takes every penny he's got, which is only half of it, 15 shekels, and he gives it to buy her back. But he's only got half the price. And so then he sells everything else he has. All of his harvest that he was supposed to live on the rest of the year, that was supposed to pay his bills for the rest of the year, he sells all of his barley, everything he has to live on, to buy her back. Insane. She's done nothing to deserve it. All she's done is commit adultery and walk away over and over again. And he gives everything he possesses to bring her back. And my friends, that is exactly what Jesus did for you. When he went to the cross, when you loved him not, and there were nails driven in his hands and feet, and he died for one reason— that your sins might be forgiven and that you could come back into a loving relationship with God. What we see with Hosea is one of the most dramatic things that you will ever find. The irrational love of God that will never, ever give up on you. And when people hear it, they're shocked, they're amazed, and they wonder if it can be true. Kimberly Turner was on an airplane. She's a teacher in Chicago, Illinois, flying from Chicago to Florida to see her parents. And she was talking to the guy on the, next to her in the seat. And he says, what do you do for a living? She says, well, I'm a school teacher. And he says, well, where do you work? And she goes, well, inner city school in Chicago. And he says, well, that must be tough. And she starts crying. And she said, it is tough, but not for the reasons you think. It's tough because I see these precious, precious children And some of them, from their family situations to what's going on in their neighborhoods, they have almost no hope at all. And we don't even have enough money for these children to have pens and pencils and paper and books. You know, you think that schools provide all that. She says, but no, my kids have none of that. They don't even have a pen and paper when they walk in, and nobody's giving it to them. And I'm spending all of my money just to give it for them. And and I'm thinking, if somebody would just have $500, it would take care of my classroom. About that time, the plane landed, she got up to leave, and the guy across the seat from her walked over and handed her $500. Now, why did he do that? Because he didn't hear a story about, well, there's not enough supplies and we need more supplies. He heard a story about emotion and care and love and how people mattered. That's what Jose is all about. It's a story of God's irrational love for you that would give anything, would go to any extreme when you've done nothing to deserve it. 
he would send Jesus to die on the cross. And when we hear that story, and when it matters in our heart, it changes everything. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much. It goes beyond reason sometimes. We see ourselves and all the mistakes we made, and we know that we're not worthy, and yet you love us anyway. Father, give us the the hope to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how does it make you feel to realize no matter what you do, no matter how many times you do it, no matter how bad it may be, God will not stop loving you? How does that make you feel? I've messed up over and over again. I've done the same things over and over again. God must be so angry with me. And what we miss is, no, God's broken hearted over you. He hurts over you. He's not angry at you. He's broken hearted. He loves you. How does it feel? To know that God pays the ultimate sacrifice for you to be free of your bondage. To be forgiven of all of your sins. To be brought back into relationship with him through the blood of Jesus. We're going into a time of invitation. If you're here today and you've wondered if you matter. If you've wondered if you could ever get over your sins and defeat them. You need to know in and of yourself you can't. But there's a God that pursues you and will do anything for you. What was Gomer's decision she had to make in all of this? What was her big thing she had to do? Did she have to say, okay, I've got to stop what I'm doing. I've got to get myself in shape. I've got to clean myself up. uh, And then my husband will love me again. Was that the decision she had to make? She had one decision. Am I going to let him love me or not? And that's the decision you have this morning. It's not cleaning yourself up or getting yourself right because we can never do that enough. The only decision you have this morning is, am I going to really let God love me unconditionally? What a different life that is. And this morning, if you've never made that decision, then you need to do that. You need, to, you need to come down this aisle. We'll have people that will talk to you and pray with you. And you just say, man, I'm here. I just want God to love me unconditionally. Maybe you've made that decision. You've been wondering what's the next step. Well, the next step if you've made that decision is I need to follow him and be baptized. I need to, I need to join a church. Maybe you're in a place in your life right now where you're a Christian, but your sins have been holding you back. You, you've never really given yourself trust to God enough to let him love you unconditionally. And your decision this morning is, I know I believe, God, help me let you love me today. Think of the burden that takes it off. It's not about you being good and doing everything right. It's opening yourself up to being loved. And when people are really loved, it changes their whole life and the whole way they live. This is your time and your opportunity, though, as we sing this song, you respond. If you need that love of God, you come down this aisle right now. Let somebody pray with you. Let's stand together as we sing.
through this week, there's going to be a lot of temptations that will hit you. There's going to be times that you fail and mess up. There's going to be times that your enemy is going to try to tell you that you're not worth it. You're never going to get it right. God doesn't love you. He's angry at you. And whenever these thoughts come into your mind, remember this story from Hosea. 
and remember that you are unbelievably loved and that God would do anything for you and let that brighten your day. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love. It goes beyond our rational understanding or common sense that when we give nothing, you give everything. Help us to not try to deserve it or earn it, but to just simply revel and enjoy, relax in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word. Thank you.